Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am very, very happy that you guys are here with us today. We've got a super cool show in store for you. Today's guest is somebody that I've known for a while, just a brilliant guy in terms of just general business sense, how to put deals together, how to create the right partnership structures, like all of the things that most people should be thinking about, but very few people actually are thinking about, and that usually come around to uh, to hurt them. And so we're super excited about Having him on the show, I, I think he's, I don't know if he's running late. Oh, no, there he is. I see him galloping into the studio on his white noble steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, the one, the only, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> How you doing, James? I do love, like, you, you're definitely getting even better at this, like, impromptu. Oh, there he is. Impromptu? Right, what are you talking about? I'm just like, I'm trying to see where you are. Right, yes. Yes, yeah, you're, you're going to, you know, you say things like that and you're going to give people the impression <laughs> that you're not actually riding a horse into our studio. <laughs> right. Next thing you know, people are going to think this, this whole thing isn't structured. Yeah. They're going to be like, what? The show's not scripted. This is ridiculous. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, aside from that, I'm doing amazing. How are you doing, James? I'm great. I'm great. I mean, I, I, uh, I said in the intro and before we, before we started recording, I am genuinely excited about this show. Yes, you did. You did say that. And then you told yeah. me that you you know the guest well, which means I'm just going to sit here and take attacks off you both constantly, no doubt. Right, of course. Well, or you may this may be the last time you speak for the entire right. episode. It Who knows? Well be. So, and enjoy the voice now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So, let's let's pull him into the show. So, today's guest is Arya Shineben, and Arya is is a guy who has put together you know, multi-billion dollar deals, works in a uh, big private equity firm on, on Wall Street in New York, and is just uh, just super, super sharp when it comes to deal structure and putting things together and everything like that. We're, uh, we're still a little bit baffled by why he's even on the show with us today. But Arie, welcome. Uh, welcome to the circus, my friend. Thank you so much. So I, I really came just to see the steed. That was really... <laughs> The real driver to get here. This happens all yeah. the time. I just get pushed out the way, and the steed takes center stage. Like <laughs> yeah, same, yeah. Same. And what do you? Well, now, now having seen the steed, what what do you think? Was it worth the trip? Was it like this was juice, worth, juice worth the squeeze? Totally. It, it was. Yeah. It was better than I expected. Yeah, awesome. Well, most people don't say that. Once they see Dean, they have a big letdown. But I'm I'm used to him, so I don't feel that way anymore. Right. <laughs> I've had that since birth. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So Aria, we're uh, we're excited to get into the conversation with you. And you know, like I've talked about, you're you know, you're a wizard at deal structure and and all things like that. One of the uh, one of the places where I want to start is just super high level. When entrepreneurs are putting deals together, where do you see most things go wrong? like most of the time, or they're like big things that people are just like totally screwing up. 
<laughs> so it, it depends. I, th I think the, the number one answer is yes. And it really comes from a place of, you know, an interest in working with someone and having something get off the ground and then kind of leaving all of the details and the boring things like legalities, you know, they check it at the door. You, yeah. you don't buy a house and not have an attorney review the contract. You don't buy a house and not, you know, typically get a mortgage or kind of get some financial, you know, your financials in order. Yet people just kind of jump into business and they're off to the races. And I'm not saying everything has to be papered and, and legal from the get-go, but it typically does never gets around to it. It's like, oh, that's a, a boring detail I don't want to deal with. And then yeah. ultimately that's where the trouble comes from. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll admit I, I have done that. I have made those mistakes and it was painful later down the line and it sucks. And like, I'll, I'll be totally honest in, in a lot of my, you know, non day job things, I've done the same. I did them early on. I learned from that and then recognized like, yeah, if you're going to have the pain, sometimes things work out great, but a lot of times they don't. And that's really what the legal side of everything's about, right? It's about when things don't go right. Yeah. So, so I feel like, I feel like in many cases, you know, you, you have, you know, you know, two or more people, people get excited about working together. They get excited about an opportunity or, you know, a, a thing that they're building or something like that. But, but I don't necessarily know that in many times people really do enough evaluation of the person that they're, that they're wanting to work with. Well, like, I know that what was you, the case with me and you, James. I, I had no <laughs> idea what I was getting into and what a regret that's turned out to be. It really is like you're just saddled with me now, right? Uh, literally, and, literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got a steed now. It's like it's like a whole thing. So, what do you have to say about that? Because you could have a great business opportunity, but the people that you're doing it with may not necessarily be the right people. So, are there ways that that you've seen that are good at you know kind of evaluating is is this a good person for me to do business with? Yeah. So it it's an interesting thing because you see now a lot in the entrepreneurial space all these personality tests, like it's been, it's, yeah. they've always been there, right? But now like there's a lot of push for kind of people to get an understanding of who this other person is. But I think even before you get into that, because that will potentially show you the, you know, strengths and weaknesses of a person and assuming, granted, right? Like everyone takes that under the assumption that the other person is answering it honestly and, and not because they're trying to be deceptive, but they may just not be honest with themselves about what their strengths and weaknesses are. But the, the thing I say, like, if you look at, let's take the corporate example or the private equity world example, the diligence that goes on, on the, at the executive level is huge. You have, you have businesses that are designed for just like, almost like not private investigative, but like they're looking into the backgrounds of these people to really understand the history of their track record, as well as the history of like, what have they done, what they said that they're going to do. And I think that's just something like you meet someone and maybe other people know them, but no one actually even bothers to go check. Like, have they really delivered on the things they claim that they have? And not because you're not a trustworthy person, but more because how well do you really know this person and how well are the claims that they've made? So if you can kind of go back and really get to know this person, both from a historical perspective, as well as any kind of personality kind of tests, I think that really just helps a lot of people really get around some of the, the initial problems that, that come out of the gate quick. Right, right. Like, like uh, you know, to Dean's point, I did very, very little 
due diligence on him, right. you know, before we did this show together. It's true. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that's a really good point though, because you, you know, you kind of think about running a business and if you're hiring people, you know, there's, there's a whole interview process. And, you know, if you're doing things correctly, you're trying to see if they're the right fit for the right role and, and all these different things. But I've, you know, I've been at so many conferences and events and things where people like bump into each other and they get excited over a beer and they're like, Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, that's, I, I had that same idea and they're like, yeah, let's just do business together. And they don't even like put any time or effort in whatsoever to figuring out, well, like, can you do what you say you're going to do? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it also depends on, I, I quantify this as something of, are you looking to truly build a business with this person or are you capitalizing on like an opportunity that's almost like a cash flow at that point in time? Like, you, are you making an income stream of like, hey, let's do this one course? Now, not to say that that doesn't come without challenges, right? Like, I've heard of numerous, numerous, countless people where they kind of partnered on a course and they figured it was just going to be this one and done thing. And then it became a disaster because one person wanted out, one person thought they were going to do this or that. But, you know, if you're really looking to do like build something real longer term, then a hundred percent, you need to be kind of really diving into the person's background and, and like, what have they truly achieved. But even on these, you know, the JV side is, I think, a little bit different than when you're actually getting into business with someone on a partnership level. Okay. So hold on. So hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you here for a second. Sure. So you're, you're like, you're like throwing down all these different things and I want to go like explore them. Sure. So, th so first of all, you made a distinction between like building a business and building a cash flow stream. And this is something that you and I have talked about before. Can you, can you like, unpack that distinction for people because I don't think that most people are thinking that way when they start to put their energy and their effort and their resources into something. Hmm. Totally. So there's a few characteristics that probably differentiate cash flow stream versus a business. But the one thing I always think about when someone's starting the business is, are you planning to exit this business on, on any level? And even if you never want to sell it, are you setting it up that it essentially could be sold if you should want it to be sold? Because if you're building an actual business, you as the, the owner of the business need to be thinking about, okay, how am I eventually going to be removing myself from all the things? Because otherwise it's just like, you know, like a constant hustle where, without you, nothing runs, right? Like I, yeah. I, I even like, even in the physical product space, because like I have a bunch of different involvements with, with Amazon and, and e-com kind of things. If you haven't even built like a process around what you're doing and it's just you, I tell people all the time, like if you took off a month, what would happen to your business, whether it's physical products or even digital informational products, what would actually happen? And that's usually a very clear indication of, do you actually have a systematized business or are you kind of generating cash flow and, and making sales? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've totally had that same conversation with a lot of people before. And, I, and obviously even in a, you know, the more structured business that you could eventually sell, there is the early stage where you do need way more involvement, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're right. setting up those systems and all of that sort of thing. Totally. But if you're not, but if you're not beginning with the end in mind, 
yep. then you just wind up on this constant, you know, hamster wheel where there is no getting off because you never thought about how you were going to get out and, you know, kind of reclaim your time and stuff like that. For sure. I mean, it, and, and it's not to say that your, your end doesn't change. Like at some point you could be a year in and say, Hey, I have a totally different vision of where I want this to go. But definitely if you don't have that end in mind, then in the, it, it's comical because if you think back like 10, 20 years ago, there, the entrepreneur, right? The name, the industry didn't exist the way it did the way it does now, right? It, it was kind of like, it wasn't even a, you know, something that people went to school for, obviously, but it wasn't like people kind of finished high school and said, okay, what are you going to do? And a kid says, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It was, it was kind of like, almost like laughed at in the sense of like, oh, so you don't want to get a job. And, <laughs> yeah. and like Wait. a lot, a lot yeah. of these things kind of come out because of that, right? Like people will work 80 hour re- weeks for themselves so yeah. that they don't work a 40 hour nine to five for someone else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, they may make more money on their own, but are they really doing something or are they literally just kind of like creating a high stress job for themselves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to put in all that effort, all that energy and everything, you might as well structure it so that you're building an asset. Totally. Yeah. One, so one of the other things that I want to sort of dive into with what you said is the distinction between uh, a partnership and a joint venture. Can you can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, no, totally. So obviously, at, depending on the level of business we're talking about, like the name takes on different things. You know, like I would say probably like 10, 15 years ago, Nokia and Siemens, which are big corporations, global corporations, they did a quote unquote joint venture where basically they packaged up their their equipment businesses and they made them one. That is not what most entrepreneurs would refer to as a joint venture, right? A joint venture in the entrepreneurial space is typically where it's almost like a glorified affiliate kind of relationship, meaning I have something that I'm selling, whether it's a information course or a product or whatever it is, and you have something that is of value to, you know, my course, my, my product is valuable to, let's say, your audience. So in this case, you know, you and, and, and Dean said, hey, our audience is really into this, and we went and we put on a specific seminar for them. That would be where, let's say, I presented on a topic of joint ventures or I, you know, partnerships, and we charged for that seminar or whatever it would be. That workshop seminar would be more of a joint venture where you are bringing the audience and I am bringing the content, and it's not really going to be set up as an ongoing business, but it's more of like, hey, I have this thing that I typically do. I may do the seminar or workshop on my own, but I'm bringing it specifically to your audience with you. That's going to be a joint venture where we're taking from you, we're taking from me, and we're kind of putting it together. So hence the name joint, right? And the venture is this this one-time thing. Whereas a partnership is like, hey, we're going to do some sort of ongoing business where I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and you're going to do A, B, and C, which are usually complementary things. And those things together will build this business, and that's going to be the partnership. So hopefully that mm-hmm. I explain that well. I don't, you know. So, so would of, you say would you say that joint ventures are time bound? Like there's a sort of an end date for that joint venture, or is it just a collaboration on certain activities that are outside the scope of other main things that you might be doing? Yeah, that's an excellent 
distinction in question. I think it could be both. A lot of times joint ventures are time bound, right? So like a lot of times when you think about like these big information product launches, the, all the affiliates that they call that in a, you know, a joint venture because it's like one big time bound push for the course yeah. that's only open at that point in time. And right. so it's limited by the time, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, it could be that like, Hey, my bread and butter, my business is in lane one. I can really play in lane two, but that's not really where I kind of focus all my time. Your business is in lane three, but you can play in lane two, your business, but that's not where your main focus is. So yeah, in that case, I would be doing my part in lane two, you be doing your part in lane two, our business lane one for me and your business lane three for you are separate. And then lane two would be where we would be doing this joint thing. And mm -hmm. if if it was going on and on and on, it would probably eventually become some sort of ongoing partnership. And that's where like the line gets very blurry of, is it a joint venture? Is it a partnership? And mm. the word is probably just nuance at that point if it's an ongoing thing. But I think time usually is, you know, it's, it's a limited time thing is typically because rarely does it go on and on and on if it doesn't become an actual business at that point. Right, right. Right. Interesting. And, and, you know, like Dean, Dean's background, he does like all sorts of affiliate stuff. Right. Like that's, that's your, I mean that you wrote a book about the whole thing for the love of God. I did. <laughs> if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the copies you've got, James, we could all have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and consequently last time he was here, he left like two pallets of his books in my house and then hid them in different places. So, so much so that Yada got on Instagram and started offering to send them to people if they wanted them. True story. <laughs> and 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 we've had takers, and now obviously we'll send we'll send the bill to Dean. So that's a very very loosely structured joint venture. Sure, he right. leaves a bunch of crap at my house. We try and offload it, and then we bill him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Little joint venture going. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the other, uh, I'm just gonna th kind of throw some other sort of models at you. And I'm, and I'm curious to hear what other models that, that you want to talk about too, but what about things like licensing, right? So, so there's probably people who are listening to this. And even in my case, you know, I've got, I've got programs, we've got, you know, copyrighted things and trademark things and everything else. How do, how do like typical licensing deals work? Yeah. So that's also a very interesting topic. It's actually funny. One of the businesses I'm actually consulting for right now they have licensing agreements. Now, it's a little bit different than what you're referring to. They have licensing agreements with cartoon characters, right? So they make a product, they make a physical product, and they have licenses with brands that are owned by like Nickelodeon, things like Paw Patrol and, you know, uh, PJ Masks and uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones. They have Sesame Street and a bunch of others. So licensing is, is a unique thing in the sense that any anything can get licensed that has some sort of intellectual property around it, right? Like it doesn't, you know, usually licenses get done with where there's a trademark around the item that I'm being licensed, but it doesn't need to be, right? So your content, your course can totally be licensed to, let's say I said, okay, I have a mastermind, a membership area, something, but I feel like I don't know the how to hire perfectly little segment, but I want mm. all of my people to have access to that. And I feel like, Hey, James, you've kind of taught that. And Dean, you've taught the affiliate thing. I want that for my team. I can then say, I can pay you either on a rev share basis, 
which is like one of these words that floats out there also there, right? So it's a revenue sharing agreement where it says, every time I have a transaction, I'm going to give you a certain dollar amount or a certain percentage because part of the value of what they're paying for is your content. Or we can say, hey, I'm just going to pay for an annual access to this unlimited, right? Like it could be a situation where I say, hey, I'll just pay you $10,000 for the year. I don't know how many people are going to access it. If it's one, you know, sucks for me, good for you. But there's no negative impact to you because there's no physical carrying cost. So it's just essentially revenue to you. And you can kind of structure those all in different ways. So like this this physical products company with the license with like Paw Patrol, they basically pay per unit. So when those licenses Mm -hmm. get done, when you do more of like a Disney character or a Nickelodeon character, they typically tighten those licenses very, very tight in the sense that if you want to make a baby product, it's not like, hey, make any baby product. It's kind of like you have to pick the category. So you say, I want to make bibs. Okay, so you cannot diverge from the bib category unless you want to make also, you know, blankets. And that may be a totally different category. So every company kind of says, these are the segments that you're allowed to put our, you know, intellectual property. In this case, it would be the cartoon or the character, you know, name and and face and what have you on it. But you can't then just go and say, hey, I want to make mugs because you didn't pay for the license for that. They may have already given that license away because typically the license in those cases are very exclusive. Whereas in your case, you know, you may want to keep it very controlled and not give anyone else the access to your hiring training. Or you may Mm -hmm. say, you know what, I can give it to everybody. It may dilute the value then or the you know, what everyone else can say, well, I don't need to get it from Aryeh because I can get it from Dean or what have you. So really, like you, when you do these things, you really want to be thinking about like, where else can this person get the access to this? And what is the value both to me as the intellectual property owner, as well as to the person who's going to be offering access to their community or, or their membership or something of that nature? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Just out of curiosity, what cartoon character do you have on the bib you're wearing right now, Dean? I can't see that from here. Uh, it's actually you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, hang on. Sorry, no, it's, it's an ass. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well played. Uh, Dean, what, what, uh, what questions do you have? What, what are, what's on your mind? I was just about to say, with regards to licensing, it's actually uh, something that over the last couple of years we've we've been looking into. So we've actually done what you've just said there, Aya, in terms of we've got a, a coaching program of ours, but I'm I'm not an expert in sort of all areas of advertising, and we wanted to teach our guys things like Facebook advertising, YouTube, and all different kinds of things. And we've actually got a licensing agreement right now with with a company that has programs in those realms and we we've done a like a licensing agreement so it's it's something that's worked insanely well for us but it's also opened my eyes as to opportunities of of things that we could do as as additional revenue streams with our programs so i think that's a i think it's a it's a, it's a great topic when i was a when i was actually researching this stuff one of the companies i was looking at was like with regards to star wars and i found some statistics with that and i'm unless i'm going crazy i'm sure it I'm sure from the data that I found that like the Star Wars franchise actually makes more from licensing than they do from box office sales. Oh, I believe that. I totally believe that also. I mean, that's why Disney paid so much for it. Right. The the things that they've done with it are are crazy. It's funny, though, that you bring up the licensing for what you've done. And given where we are, like in the world today, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, right now what's going on in the world with coronavirus. 
licensing is such an interesting topic because corporations, like big corporations, think about licensing in a totally different way than a lot of like online entrepreneurs. So in, in, you know, the sense of, Hey, your podcast is just the tips. Here is a really valuable tip. Okay. We use, oh, look at this. He even pre-framed this Dean. All right. <laughs> so, Big expectations now. <laughs> no doubt. Okay. So the, the corporate world, when they pay for a license. So for example, let's, let's use Bloomberg, right? So Everybody knows Mike Bloomberg now because he was running for president, but his company, his business is really like a news and data aggregator. And yeah. they put out a ton of information and, you know, stock traders, bond traders, all kinds of market moving people, people who play in the public markets use Bloomberg terminals. And now they're integrated with like their PCs. They just use a special keyboard. When you get a Bloomberg terminal, if you have 10,000 employees or 1,000 or 100, whatever the number is, and you say, I would like every single person to have a Bloomberg terminal and access to the Bloomberg information, they don't say to you, okay, just buy a license and you're good to go. No. Every single person who you want to have access to that has to buy their own license. So mm. it's like a seat model. There, you know, we use Capital IQ, which is owned by S&P. It's the same thing. It's a data information set where people are constantly, you know, as your firm grows or as your employee base who needs this grows, they pay per seat. So we pay per head. We don't say, okay, we have an S&P or, or a Bloomberg license and we just play them, pay them some flat fee unlimited. We pay per user. And, you know, when you have your training, whether it's, you know, affiliate marketing or Facebook ads or how to hire at the entrepreneurial level, I think it becomes very challenging to say, well, I want a fee for a user, but that kind of can go to a little bit of that rev share kind of model where you say, Hey, if it mm -hmm. costs X to get into your program, I want, you know, X percent of that or whatever it is, because my, the value I'm enhancing your program by is, you know, I would sell this for $10,000. So I would like, you know, some portion of that. But the other way to think about this is what is the value that I could bring this to a corporation? Given where we are in the world, people are working remote. More and more big companies are saying, hey, we need mass training. And given that, you know, no one's going to be doing a whole lot of travel in the next little bit, how can we remotely train people? And who has yeah. this content already done? And going out to corporations to license your content or your trainings or your courses is probably a massive opportunity that a lot of people just don't even see or think about and how they pay for it is probably way better than a lot of people's, you know, thought process around this. Okay. Sorry. So I'm going to have to cut the show short because I need to go explore this right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> now I think that's, I think that's a really powerful point. A couple of the things that I want to just get into before, uh, before we wrap up are what, what other models of business structure or business relationships do you think should be on the radar of, you know, you know, our entrepreneurs that are listening to this? Well, we, when we talked about this licensing, I think we talked about revenue sharing, which is a very, I, I think the one thing I, I recognize is a lot of these things are what I would kind of almost call like 
lack of a better word, financial engineering, right? It's, it's right. just money and how you want to structure it. Like no business is limited by anything other than the creativity of how they want to put this in, into play. Where you, you know, if you think about like book deals and how people used to prior to like self-publishing and all these things, people went out, they hired a publicist and they would try and get it in advance from the book company. And then maybe get some royalty. The same with like musicians, right? They the the writer gets like I think it's like nine point one cents for every time the the song is played or sold or what have you. All these things are just you know different ways to structure things where there's some sort of money going from one hand to another, and so I think there's lots of different ways to to do these things, including how you finance and exit some of these businesses. You know, a lot of people, you know, you, you hear about it, but people aren't really sure how it works. And you can basically buy a business with, you know, essentially like no money down, just like a house. Sometimes the person who is selling the business just wants out. They want to walk away. Right. Now, they obviously don't want to shut it down and lose any of the money, but they essentially will say, okay, pay me over time or pay me X per year or give me X percent of whatever. And it's not limited to anything other than what your creativity mind says, hey, I don't want to put down all this money. I don't want to assume all this risk. How about we do this? If that's a willing seller, you're going to be able to kind of come to some sort of agreement. So I think like in terms of structures, I think people just need to start realizing that like there's no like hard and fast rule that says, hey, it has to look like this. Otherwise, it'll never happen. Because if you can get someone to agree to something and then put legalities around it and put it in an actual contract, you can make it happen. Right. There's like so there's like a whole like palette of colors that you can paint with to create the picture that you're trying to create. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So uh so you know, kind of understanding that there's all these variables and all this flexibility and everything else like that. I know you've got a new podcast. Do you talk about stuff like this on your podcast? Uh, yeah, actually, I think last week or the week before, I literally talked about the creativity of a deal that it's kind of limited to only your own creativity. You know, and I think one of the first episodes actually talked about exactly how you framed it, like starting with the end in mind in the beginning. Uh, so these are a lot of the topics. We we kind of try and cover all different business-related topics because I think there's a lot of people like focus on sales or the the tactics or the strategies, but they kind of sometimes lose what I call like, you know, the business, the sense of business acumen, right? They just, yeah. they're not seeing sometimes the bigger picture because they're, they're very focused on that tactic. So the business, so the, the podcast is not really always focused on the tactics, but much more on understanding like how people can get from one place or another, or a lot of the things that go on that people don't even realize are actually happening. When you read a news article of something in, in big companies, a lot of times it's not what you think it is, especially in the private equity space. Like the things that these guys do are so almost like behind the scenes and hidden from the, the, the natural eye. So a lot of the times I kind of try and point out some of these little different scenarios. Well, don't tease us. I mean, for the love of God, tell us where we, what the name of the podcast is. Sure. So it's called uh, Inside the Lions Den, and the website for the podcast is insidethelionsdenpodcast.com, but you can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, I think Google Play, basically everywhere you listen to your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. So if you guys are, you know, thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I think about my business more strategically? How do I, 
you know, structure a deal? How do I do all those other things? Definitely check out Aria's podcast. I know for me, you know, he's, he's one of my go-to people when I have a question like that. And he's, you know, just a, a wealth, wealth of knowledge um, around that. So definitely check out the podcast. Am I one of those people, James? So anyway, let's just keep going. I'm going uh, <laughs> to, I didn't hear that. James, James, me, me, me. <laughs> Dean, of course you are. <laughs> I messages. They're definitely not friendly and they're definitely not questions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dean, what, uh, what parting shots do you have before we wrap up today? No, just to say, uh, thank you. It's been a, this is one of those shows that I think we could literally sit here for hours and just keep yeah. and unpacking stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll have to, uh, invite you back if you can spare us some more time sometime. Well, I almost, I almost feel like Arya should come on from time to time. Like when he's got, you know, like a cool deal structure story or something to share yeah. with us. Just like fresh off the press. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would be really cool. That that would be cool. I we we're in the middle of working on a really interesting one now. So maybe we'll come back after. Hopefully we can close it. It's been it's yeah. been a wild ride, but well, even if you can't close it, um, and and the other thing uh, we'll have to talk about next time is uh, Ari Ari is a professional Instagram stalker, which is actually <laughs> how we came to know each other. No, I'm not. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like somehow he just kept popping up in our world. I was like, who is this guy? And uh, and then next thing I know, he was at a conference and he's over at my house. And I'm like, I but I like him so much, but I don't know where he came from. And <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about your Instagram stalking skills next time. Because all kidding aside, you are one of the best people that I've ever met at zeroing in on relationships that you want to build and then just making it happen, which is an art unto itself. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you can even let him, you know, feed, feed the noble steed next time, Dean. I don't know, but that, that's up to you. That's, that's on you. I mean, let's, let's, let's go steady before we start running there. I mean, it's quite a, quite an intimate thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was, I was spoke, I was out of line. I apologize for that. Okay. So, um, definitely, uh, definitely you guys check out inside the lion's den podcast.com to get more from REA and all of the things, uh, that you need to understand how to put deal structures together, how to make sure that you're protecting yourself and honestly how to maximize opportunities. So definitely go check that out. We appreciate you guys being here with us today. Thank you for listening. Leave us a review, tell your friends and family about us, and we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.